I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. I'm Kate. And welcome to Topical Island. Each week, one of us will deep dive into a topic that interests us. Have you ever wondered how to become a Disney princess? Is diva behavior acceptable? And what does it have to do with the opera? Will we get to work from home forever, ever? Join us as we answer these questions and more. As each week, we will take you to a different topical island. Welcome, everybody, to Topical Island. How are you guys doing tonight? We're in the middle of an unprecedented heat wave, and so I hope we're all staying cool. How's it going, Julie? It is going well. Yeah, I uh, am learning a little bit about myself and my aptitude to complain. Um, In the winter, I get really frustrated when people complain about the cold. I'm like, yeah, welcome to Canada. It's minus 20. Get over it. We all have the kit for it. Get over it. I do not have the kit or the stamina to deal with mid to high 30s and and up and up. Uh, I, I don't have the clothes for it. My house is not built for it. I am not somebody who has AC. Uh, I've been doing a lot of complaining this week. But things that are positive, my garden exploded with this heat. So that's pretty exciting. Yes. Like flowers and vegetables or? Mostly my veg. My flowers are getting a little, they're looking a little rough. Although my perennials all popped open. Yeah. They were like, oh, no, it's for sure summer. So they're here. But yeah, my veg is is out of control. Yeah, it's starting to what's called bolting, where some plants, you don't want them to produce flowers like um, radishes and bok choy is what I have right now that are ready to eat. But it is so hot that they're starting to flower and that can affect the taste. And so had to compost some, which is too bad, but very cool that they're so successful, I guess. Yeah, I don't know that I heard before that you were doing bok choy. I don't don't know if I've ever seen anyone locally growing that. Does it does it work mm-hmm. out? It works out. It's a it's a plant that loves cool weather and it grows so fast. It's wonderful. I grow the mini wow. mini bok choy. I highly highly recommend it. Um, like start it now, like from a seed, just throw it in and. Yeah, and it's super delicious. I love it myself. Yeah, well, se- listeners, send, send us a note if you start growing bok choy. That's right. Kate, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I feel like I start every when, whenever I'm asked. That's exactly <laughs> what I say. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, <laughs> things, to be consistent. Things are okay. What happened to me this week? Oh, we thought our house was on fire one night. Um, what? Yeah. So in the middle of the night, Nick is a very light sleeper and sometimes his dreams really make him get up in the middle of the night. Mm. Let's just say. Anyway, he he woke up and said, is something on fire? And I immediately sprung out of bed because I could smell fire. And and so we both of us immediately jump out of bed and start to make our way through room for room. Like, where is this smell coming from? It's not upstairs. It's not in Tenley's room. So we go, we head down to the main floor, nothing on the main floor, head down to, we have a four level split. So it's not a big house, but there are multiple floors. Head down to the floor with, with the guest rooms and uh, no, nothing in here. And even though the smell was getting stronger as we were going down the levels, Ooh. it was becoming stronger. And so I am really not sure what to do at this point. However, although we thought the house could be on fire, 
we did have time for Nick to stop and scold me about leaving my computer on all night. And so when we got to the <laughs> we got to the office and there was no fire and we have yet to visit the basement as this smell is getting stronger as we're making our way through the house. But we had time to stop and, hey, turn this off. And I got a little bit of a lecture <laughs> on not leaving my computer on, even though that was not the source of the fire. We make no. it down to the basement and nothing. There is nothing. We can't, but the smell is really strong in the basement. Anyway, it turns out I, it must have been the winds that evening. So this is about mm, 11.30. So we're, we've been in bed for a couple of hours now. Hours now. If you've listened to <laughs> morning routine podcasts. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, it was just the neighbors having a backyard fire, but the, it must have oh. been coming through our vents oh, wow. in some way that it was so potent in our basement <laughs> that oh, I woke up thinking and of course it felt like the middle of the oh. night which I mean technically it was it just seemed so bizarre that I mean once we knew they were having a fire and they were that's very reasonable for them to do um, <laughs> yeah but that was kind of the, the excitement of the week yeah well that's that's a yeah rush. so house isn't on fire I do and I have been turning off my computer every night so there's that <laughs> Kristen I... Uh, yes. <laughs> Kristen, how would you be? What I've been doing? I, I, I was, I was just off work last week and I accomplished a goal that I, and it was very something I could have easily accomplished, but I've been thinking about it through the entire quarantine pandemic period, which is that I went, I don't, do you guys do this at all? Um, I went to one of the refilleries in my neighborhood and I bought like shampoo, it, you buy like a glass bottle and then you just go and get it refilled. And I've been meaning to do that for so long. And I finally bit the bullet and did it. It's not expensive. It was literally just the effort of figuring it out, but it's so nice. Cause it's like, you don't have this endless supply of plastic, plastic containers bottles. going in and out of your bathroom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so far, like so good. Like it's a nice product. It doesn't, it's not exactly the same as what was I using Pantene? Uh, not quite as, you know, you need to use a little bit more to, go a little further but uh yeah I'm liking it Kate you were nodding do you do something similar yes and as I was seeing myself nodding with a, a, yeah. a look on my face like yeah I know exactly what you mean and I know what you're talking about <laughs> but no I've never used them <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so I don't know I live near Marta Loop it's in Marta Loop um but I'm, I I think there's some a few different locations and it just seems like a great idea you can get bubble bath, you can get body wash, and you can add like different essential oils to it. So it's pretty interesting. Ooh, very yeah. fun. And good for you. For, yeah, thanks for good saving for you. on it, Kristen. I mean, yes, one bottle at a time, yeah. eh? Control mm -hmm. what you oh. can control. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a great start. Julie, uh, we're, you're going to be the one taking us on an adventure today. So where are we going? I want to take you to a moment in history in our country that was so divisive uh, that caused such partisan fighting that if you were a government employee caught talking against a proposed change by the government, you had the potential to be fired. And there were recorded cases of that. Something so divisive. I, of course, am talking about when we switched the metric system. Oh. <laughs> tell me more, tell me more. I, have, I was shocked. And, you know, I think... Perhaps when we look back on this time in our history, um, you know, the last year through the pandemic uh, and some of the outcries for the maintaining of our own liberties, we might look back 
perhaps with a different perspective than we have today. As somebody who grew up, I would say kind of came of age in the 90s, I wasn't fully aware of what was happening when we were switching to the metric system, mm. uh, which happened oh, me neither. 70s, early 80s. So oh. to take you way back, the metric system, as opposed to the imperial system, which is what Canadians were using prior to the 1970s and countries like the US and in the United Kingdom, they continue to use. There was in the 1790s in France, they started to develop this system of measurement, which is all about, okay, can we create a standardized, internationally standardized system of measuring things? And even the term metric now is actually a little bit out of date. It should be called uh, mm. the International Standard of Measurement, of which really? there are only seven. Yeah. Um, so SI is what it, it's called. And so that includes things like meters, seconds, kilograms, um, Candela, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm mispronouncing that, but it's basically brightness, oh. amps or amperes, and moles, as in uh, mol, the kind in chemistry. Do they all have alternates in different kinds? Do they all like they all have like a mole has a different name and something else? Now a mole, I think, might be the exception. Moles kind of. Uh, a little bit of a new terminology, but ye, for the rest of them, yes. Things like um, uh, candela or candela, uh, you probably see lumens when you buy light bulbs. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, what this. seconds? Uh, time. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know what we use seconds for, but what would its alternative oh, What would its alternative be? would be? That's a great question. I think that the important piece is creating these base units. So no longer are we dependent on the hour. You want to create a base unit from which all other measurements um, related to time would form. Good question. I didn't come across that if there was an alternate two seconds. And yes, thank you for the clarification. <laughs> Sorry. But Julie, what's an hour? What's an hour? What's an hour? <laughs> so an hour. <laughs> you have on hand how many seconds are in an hour? <laughs> the math, quite do not. Um, but I will say that a distance especially is the one that has so many names, like everything from a furlong to a mm. skein to a poppy seed to, um, you know, of course, then miles and inches and feet. But what I want to focus in on is the change from imperial to metric that occurred in Canada in the 70s. I could talk at length about the standardized uh, international standardized measurements and how it's all based on natural phenomenon now. So I think a mead, no, pardon me, a kilogram is the only item of which there's still one kilogram that's being held like in a, you know, vacuum somewhere at a certain temperature. Um, that is the standard of the kilogram. Everything else is based on things found in nature. So light over a wavelength over mm. time or um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, but I'm not going to nerd out entirely on you with measurement. I'm going to take you back to 1970 when a group lobbied uh, together to convert 
Canada to the metric system from the imperial system. So basically moving us to that international standard. And in 1970, mm-hmm. came out the white paper on metric conversion in Canada, which involved scholars and industry and basically saying, um, especially academics were like, we should be moving towards this, ac- this true international standard. So in 1971, two acts were amended by the government, and the first being the Weights and Measurement Act, and the second being the Consumer Packaging and Labeling Act. So basically, Weights and Measurement all of a sudden said, we are now, the standard is kilometers and, you know, Celsius, and that everybody needed to convert. So the expectation was that all the speed signs would be changed by 1977, that you would start buying your gasoline in liters by 1979. And then, of course, with that, the changes to the Consumer Packaging and Labeling Act meant that you had to put metric on your labels, hmm. right? So your can now had to say 250 mils instead of X amount of ounces. I think as you'll go along, you'll see that I... I personally use a combination depending on what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, do either of you know your height in meters? No. No. But I could guess one and a half and a little bit more. One and like 150 centimeters and a little bit more? Well, because I'm thinking three feet is a meter ish. Roughly. So yeah. I am three feet plus another one and a half, which gives me four and a half plus a little bit more are you plus another okay. are you four foot nine <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is if I told you that today it was 92 degrees you may or may not know if that was true because in Fahrenheit today it reached 92 but we only speak Celsius when it comes to our temperature I'm having this mm-hmm. issue right now my my car right now is set to Fahrenheit and I never I kind of no idea what <laughs> Every time I look at it, I go, I need to fix that because I have I have no concept of how hot that is at all. Are you saying you do? Are you saying so, that you know, Julie? Like when you see Fahrenheit, you you know? Absolutely. No, I did have I was on a call today with some folks in the US yeah. and I we were talking about the weather. Yeah. And I did use a conversion. And supposedly what you do for positive numbers anyway is you double the number and then add 32. Yeah. And I think the only time they're the same, correct me if I'm wrong or if you know this, is at minus 40, like minus 40 Fahrenheit and minus 40 Celsius are apparently the same temperature. Oh, about the same. Fun fact. Kelvin is the international standard unit that I forgot to mention. The international standard now is actually Kelvin, even though Celsius is considered metric. I'll uh, add this part back to your list. (laughs) (laughs) Just like... And Kevin. For the That's listeners yeah. who, who were who were on the edge of their seat. So <laughs> um, since so those changes happened to the acts, and then since 1976, the laws required that all prepackaged food be converted. So milk, we all know our milk in liters, not in gallons here in Canada. Um, in 75, Fahrenheit was replaced by Celsius. You know, they started measuring things like snowfall and rainfall in millimeters and even wind speed and visibility and barometric pressure. And so basically the weather network completely changed. Mm -hmm. And then of course the road signs changed, right? Um, And so it went from miles per hour 
to kilometers per hour. And that was in 1977. So I don't know if this is, I do know, now I haven't been there in a few years, but there is a small town in Alberta that still had its mile per hour signs when I was there in the 2010s. So really, every once in a while, you can still find a a small, small town. Maybe you're going to mention this, but I'm in the conversion, in, especially for stuff like that, like having to change all the road signs. Do we, uh, do you have any idea how much that cost the country to change over? Okay, we're going to get to that. To change over. Well, I can tell you right now, a billion dollars. A billion. Yeah. I feel like in this day and age, they're just like, eh, we're, we spend billions on lots of stuff. <laughs> that was a 1983 news report. So that Ooh. was a billion dollars in the early 80s. And that's like oh, 10, wow. So in today's billion. money. That's so I didn't, yeah, I didn't look at the uh, inflation on that, but considerably more. All right. So this mandatory metric and the metric commission that was set up were set up under Pierre Elliott Trudeau's government, which was a liberal government. And you know, as in typical parliamentary fashion, the conservatives were vehemently opposed to this, right? So, so what happened was the government changed their measurements and how they were dealing with measurement. And then basically kind of large industry kind of got on board. And then it later on towards basically like the early 80s, that's when it actually started to hit home for most consumers. Like it took that amount of time for them to see, you know, gas stations change and the milk labeling change and, and so on. So uh, at the time, the Toronto Sun put a front page petition together where people could just snip out a little petition, I'm against the metric system and send it in. And they received thousands upon thousands of responses from from readers. So there was definitely some opposition at the time. Now, if you're wondering why people were opposed, it came down to a few things. So one is the, you know, cost. So for things like... um, if you owned a grocery store or a gas station or, you know, anything that had measurement related sales, um, there was a big cost to changing over your scales, changing over your pumps, changing over um, your readers. And then of course, the labeling on packaging had to be changed as well. So, you know, just the changes to, you know, you had to go and revisit all of your labeling, change it to metric, and then be done with and then reprint everything. The second reason that people were somewhat opposed, not somewhat, were quite opposed to this, was that they didn't feel they had a say, that it went through parliament and there was no referendum or vote taken. Um, It was just a decision that was made that we were all going to switch to the metric system and that individuals felt like they didn't have a voice in that. Confusion was another one. So some confusion led to some serious things, um, like some more smaller scale things like uh, when you were buying, if you were buying fertilizer as a farmer from the States and it came in Imperial, but then you had a Canadian shipper who was using metric. And this led to, for they, there was one example of a farmer who over fertilized his fields. On a serious note, Air Canada Um, had a Boeing 67 with 69 people on board run out of fuel halfway between between Ottawa Ottawa and Edmonton and had to make an emergency landing because they completely ran out of fuel. Their engine stopped. And thankfully, they were over Gimli, where completely by chance, one of the pilots had actually trained to be a pilot and they were able to do an emergency landing in Gimli. 
Wow. So that was because they, it, because of the, the system of the fuel and in liters or however it was measured, they just assumed that it was enough in gallons. That's right. And this was the first 767 that they had put fuel on, um, that Air Canada had put fuel on. And they only want to put the right amount of fuel. You don't want to overfuel an an airplane because of the weight that caused and then it ends up being far less efficient. So yes, because of a mix up related to the fuel being uh, measured in liters versus gallons and the lack of training to the individuals who are loading the airplane, they ended up running out of fuel halfway through, halfway between Ottawa and Edmonton. Thankfully, wow. everyone was fine. There was two minor injuries, but they were fine. So, so the transition period certainly led to a ton of confusion. There was also, you know, on a very personal note, some people felt like, okay, well, you know, if I deal with the British or the Americans at that time were supposed to change to metric, but they never did. And so if you were dealing with some domestic products, the one that came up was wrenches. Some some people felt like they would have to have a metric set of wrenches and an imperial set of wrenches. And oh. I'm here to tell you that that hit home. My garage is full of wrenches, both in imperial and in metric, because you need both depending on what type of machinery that you're dealing with and where it's come from. Right. And what about all those meteorologists that just had to go back to school? Like that would be so frustrating for me if all of a sudden they were like, and relearn this. So I can understand the opposition. Absolutely. Oh, well, and I understand it too, because I mean, from what you said, Julia, maybe I misunderstood, like the main point of switching over is to be part of this like standard. But if like two countries that we like the US, like have no indication of switching over like what's the point so it's interesting around in the 1970s at about the same time as canada there was actually a very similar change made to the american laws that said Mm. you can now use metric however they were definitely in the language of you may and they were never enforced and the americans never got on board Mm. so because there was so much opposition now i will say that if you work in medicine in canada or the States, or literally anywhere in the world, you're probably dealing in metric. So many of the sciences are still metric regardless, because it's the international standard, and you want to speak to an international community. Hmm. So it's one of those things. And I know that there are, especially in the sciences, a lot of individuals in the States who really feel that they should get on board and get to metric. It's the international standard. There are only three countries left in the world that use only imperial. And those countries are Liberia, Myanmar, and the United States. Hmm. Interesting. And they're certainly not going to get on board and do something altogether at this point (laughs) in the States. Well, and I also, I feel like if there's ever a call between like the presidents or leaders of those countries, it's like, all right, you guys still in, we're going to stay strong. Like it's the three of us now. (laughs) We got this. And in the UK, because they're part of, in, in many respects, part of the, or we're in many respects, part of the European Union, they have a mixed bag similar to the way we do in some ways, that they're still using some, a lot of metric and some imperial. Um, one of the, one of the reasons that certain people were opposed were simply that it was tradition. 
that the imperial system had very deep roots and that that perhaps this was just eroding at the traditional the tradition and the traditional values set by our british forefathers personally i can't get on board with that one but change is hard for people yeah <laughs> well i know on my fridge i have a magnet that i use all the time and it has both imperial and metric uh, units of measurement so that because depending on where I'm looking at a recipe, I mean, a lot of them are online nowadays. And so if it's in, mm-hmm. so then I can easily go to my fridge and see, okay, so that's how many, you know, in a unit that I recognize. Definitely. Yeah, totally. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, so I were there any, did you come across any instances in which, uh, you know, I don't know, were there any riots? Like where people, when they started to like change the the street signs on people and the did people come out in droves with their torches and pitchforks i see you nodding so please tell me about that we are gonna we are getting there and i'm gonna link some fabulous um cbc archives of rallies and protests that occurred during this time just just somewhat entertaining but really really interesting so as we got into the 80s, and people actually, they themselves felt directly impacted by by the mandatory metric. Also, the name is a little aggressive. <laughs> to call it <laughs> mandatory metric <laughs> feels yeah. very like, hey, I'm pushing this on you. Well, I mean, you're telling people you have no choice. Yeah, exactly. It is mandatory. So mandatory. they could have come up yes. with, a, with a more fun-loving name. <laughs> like exciting, <laughs> exciting changes. <laughs> So in 1982, Neil Fraser, who is a tax art, like a high ranking tax auditor with uh, the Department of National Revenue, which is now Revenue Canada, was actually fired because he spoke out so in such opposition to metric conversion. Mm. Hmm. Fireable offense. Is it? Well, to be clearly opposed? it was. It, I mean, he got fired for that. And personally, based on based on what I could see, he became a martyr for the cause. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that this is, you know, government intervention, and I can't even speak out against it without losing my job, and potentially my reputation. So pretty, yeah, pretty interesting. 37 Conservative members of Parliament banded together with their own money and bought a gas station ah! just outside of Ottawa. Yes. The gas station was called Freedom to Measure, where they <laughs> sold illegal gasoline by the gallon. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I love it. I love it. I love it. And basically, the aim of that was in hopes that the government would sue them or try, and so that they would have they would then be able to go to court and prove that this was actually potentially infringing on people's rights and freedoms to to use whatever to measure however they feel would like <laughs> measure to have the freedom to measure <laughs> okay that's hilarious so, the more things change the more things stay the same a hundred percent. It just, it kills me. Um, I will definitely put the link to a rally that happened in the early 80s of a uh, member of parliament in Thornhill, Ontario. And 
this is a quote, that the metric Gestapo might come after those small grocers who dare to sell their bananas by the pound. Oh, that uh, just makes me sad because there were like through the pandemic, like, yes, it's funny that that they say it's the extreme, but you know, you had these, these anti-maskers through the pandemic and there was some news footage of the police, like being very kind and just saying like, look, like we're, we're probably going to give you a ticket and they're on their their porch yelling Gustapo Gustapo and it just uh kind of made my stomach turn because it was like no like you you don't know what you're comparing that to if that's what you actually think that is anyway i so but no extreme could, right couldn't help draw the parallels between what's been happening in the last year and when i was reading this and looking at like signage that said read th- read things like put the liberals in internment camps like it you know oh, people were God. taking this so seriously and really felt affronted um yeah and it, so there were rallies there were protests there was petitions against it So in 1984, uh, Brian Mulroney was elected prime minister, who is a conservative, and decided to abolish the Metric Commission. And they changed the wording in the Weights and Measurement Act to become an and statement. So you can use metric and imperial, Mm. which then, so from a political standpoint, you're totally, okay, so you have been absolutely opposed to the metric system for about 10 years uh, no, over that over 10 years. And now that you're given the opportunity, you're like, like the country already spent a billion dollars on this. Um, perhaps maybe we'll just like put an and situation so you can use either because we know that you've already bought the scales. Well, you kind of have to. I mean, if you're against it, you're not going to be like, get rid of it. Everyone million billion dollars back to right because I mean especially if that was part of your argument. So what happened was because the government created this and statement mm-hmm. in the in the act, it led to different companies choosing to do one or the other or both, which the CBC referred to as the metric muddle. Oh. So mm. then it became inc- <laughs> it then became incredibly frustrating for as a consumer. And companies were actually using this to their advantage to use the confusion to maybe think you had a really good sales price, but it was actually in metric, which you didn't quite understand. And so it wasn't as good a deal as you were getting, considering things like Mm -hmm. uh, a square yard is a portion of a square meter. So maybe you sell it in yards just so that it sounds like a better deal. Hmm. So companies actually started to use that to their advantage. And then, of course, small grocers were super frustrated because they're like, okay, well, down the street, they're using metric and all their advertising is, um, you know, chicken by the kilogram. And I've been selling it by the pound and people don't know if mine is a better deal or down the street is a better deal. So I have to start labeling everything both, Mm -hmm. which is frustrating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even in the early 80s, there was still uh, a lot of people being interviewed uh, were saying how much they hated the metric system and they would like to go back. Um, But basically, I don't want to say the damage was done, but we were already set on a path for sure. So Hmm. 
basically the conservatives rolled, rode the line and kind of deregulated, didn't enforce anything. And that's why today we kind of have a weird combination. So many of us know our height in feet and inches, but when you go to the doctor, they will be taking your weight in kilograms and and Which is kind of nice when you get the kilogram on your uh, driver's license and you have no idea what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. This was it 10 years ago and I'm not sure what it is right now. So that, and that's kind of where it's left us since then is in this kind of combination. There is no metric Gestapo. There is no longer enforcement if you decided to. I think for the most part, everything that I see as far as food products, we see all of that has come in as metric. Um, I'm very used to the weather being reported in metric um, myself. Oh, for sure. Um, speeds, like I don't know if either of you have driven like in the States and it's in miles per hour. I haven't a clue. Mm-hmm. Is that fast? Is that slow? But we're us and um, the Brits are the only ones who sort of have funny combinations. And then, as I said, there's only three countries left in the world that are still exclusively using Imperial, um, being our neighbors to the south in the States, and then Myanmar and Liberia, who are holding pat to those to that Imperial system. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Because and like you said, because we grew up at, kind of after the fact. Uh, I never really put much thought into the switch or or a whole the idea of a whole nation switching how they do things that affect your day to day. No, Absolutely. and I, I don't honestly didn't even realize that happened. I mean, that's I'm totally ignorant to that completely. I had no I, I for some reason I would I just assumed that it has something to do with, you know, being part of like coming from Britain and stuff like that in the US not or something like that. I didn't realize we actually made that switch. So that's amazing. And it's the thing I find funny about that is I think with the mask issue, you can kind of see where politically white parties would follow on either side of the mask issue. But if you were to say one party really wanted to switch to metric and one wouldn't, I would have a hard time assigning based on value who would have been opposed and who would have been for. Mm. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. directly align in my mind. No, it doesn't feel like it's a political issue, does it? Yeah. Like measurement. How could that be so divisive? Mm -hmm. And people, yeah, we're taking it seriously. Um, You know, one woman at a rally was like quoting, uh, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And like, just, just, I couldn't believe the wrath that existed Mm. in and around it. Now, it's not to say that there isn't a cost um, that went along with it. Absolutely, there was. And, you know, should we have had a referendum to switch to metric? Maybe, Um, especially since the Americans didn't end up doing it. It does mean that a lot of people have two sets of wrenches in their garage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't credit my dad for... um being a very funny person, but uh, my, I'm, when my brother had his first child mm-hmm. and they live in the States, both my brothers live in the States. Um, and when my brother had his first child and announced that his name was Miles, my oh, dad cool. turned to me and said, but when he comes to visit, we call him kilometers. kilometers. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's really cute. Yeah. Well, that is the uh, the tale of the of mandatory metric and this kind of this partisan divisive subject that, yeah, as we look back, and I'm curious to like 
reach out to your parents and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, if our listeners remember that time, um, I would love to hear anecdotes or stories, you know, was it like during the pandemic where it was causing fractures in families and, you know, dinner table conversations kind of got awkward or, or was this uh, kind of played up a little bit in the media? I would love to know. Yeah. I just, I really think that name got us. It needed to be something like merriment metric or (laughs) you know metric merriment yeah this is so random but when you go to a horse race they are furlongs where's that what's a furlong that's british and i almost exclusively decided to to deal in the insane number of of measurements related to distance that exist um a furlong is 201 0.16 meters, if that helps. Um, But it was equivalent to 660 feet or 220 yards. Also, 40 rods, 10 chains, uh, you know, depending on which. Which yeah, I prefer rods. Rod yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, I'm most definitely... comfortable with measuring in rods. <laughs> well, it's, you know, as I kind of was delving into measurement a little bit, there are certain things like horse racing, and again, horses their their height is measured in hands, which right. is a, another measurement mm. that that I don't know of any other horses like, just have their own whole thing horsepower. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's so much tradition associated with horses, horse racing. That's very, you know, very British. Yeah. That um, people might be just really tied to it and not ready to let all those traditions go. Maybe it's the, there's like whoever the leader of the horses is will be on that call with the Americans (laughs) in Myanmar and Liberia and be like, hey, we didn't do it. You guys can, you guys can hold on. (laughs) May. (laughs) <laughs> the international horse association yeah oh, julie how did you get to that topic how did i was going to do deep dive measurement and completely nerd out in measurement and then i came across some articles related to how divisive switching to metric was and i just thought that was so interesting yeah and uh, you know i had a good laugh i had a laugh at a lot of these, um, you know, video clips and audio clips, but it was obviously very, very serious at the time. And it just kind of reminded me that a little one, a little perspective and two, what was, how did you put it? Like, we've all been here before, you know, if it, if it's not masks and, you know, microchip vaccines, then it's, you know, mm-hmm. switching from imperial to metric. Yeah. Who knew? People like to take stands. people like to take stands and people like to you know have control and um and it turns out it doesn't take much for people to feel like they're losing control i thank you for that julie because it's it's always interesting to dive into something you take for granted you know and and don't realize there's such a history to that Mm -hmm. absolutely kate we'd love to hear if you have a fun story or an interesting some story to end us off with here I sure do. And Mm. it's a personal story. And I think, well, I think, Kristen, you're going to particularly like this, but I think you'll both be um, interested to know that started an ant farm. No, but you're so close. (gasps) Oh, so 
because I figured why why not during an unprecedented heat wave, I thought I would relay some patio stone in our backyard oh. that has really topsy-turvied because it wasn't laid right properly to begin with. And so I started to pull bricks away just from a little area. And I was just glued to these this colony of ants that had what was so interesting was because the bricks were there it was almost as if I had peeled away and was looking at the top of the the ant farm and so there were there were hundreds but what was so interesting was in doing this I discovered where the ants I discovered an ant graveyard (gasps) so in one Yes, in one corner, they were piling their dead ants. Yeah. And I was like, that looks like weird little dots. And then I was like, oh my goodness, no, it's it's ants that are all shriveled up from the sun. But I guess if they were, but then, and I was watching them and they were carrying them out of this hole and they were collecting them in this one area. So I saw the ant graveyard. And then when I peeled away some bricks, I was like, oh my goodness, that looks like maggots. And I almost threw up, but it wasn't. It was ant larvae. And it was was ants tending to the young. It was the ants tending to the young. But, and then I got so excited, like uh, that. um, So what happened was when I pulled away the bricks and these ants, and there was like tending to the young in these like little white sacks. You could see the ant, like little ant larvae inside of them. All of the ants around them each grabbed a larvae and went straight underground. And so oh God, honestly, by the time it took them seconds to grab all of these ants and get them underground. Now, this story doesn't actually have a happy ending, but oh. I was just so fascinated and I felt like I had this connection with the ants and while I did choose to exterminate I did really appreciate so (laughs) (laughs) it was really a great I just it was so honestly it was so cool I've never been more impressed with ants and I didn't think I could get any more impressed after Kristen told us that whole story but it's cool to see it in real life like actually happening like you're like this sounds great but then you see it and it's like wow it was so cool so I really yeah I just, you know, want to thank you for that very informational, you know, discussion. Yeah. Um, and and that is my story. I couldn't wait to tell you guys. No, that's so that's, that's so cool. awesome. However, I do think they were part and parcel to why the bricks were so topsy <laughs> Um So that that yeah, is downside. why I had and I had to, you know, smooth out. Anyway, I won't get into the details, but they're they're no longer there. Okay. But I'm sure they're thriving in another location. That I guarantee you. I mean, well, you, the one that you know, you know, some survived underneath. So, because all do? I could think was, well, I sprayed ant spray. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, I mean, the story goes that they're like so deep under down, like they're probably still under there. Yeah. Well, that's just I it. Because so. I was thinking, oh, if you go 25 feet down or, yeah. Yeah. or five meters. Yeah. No. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're looking like eight meters. Okay. Okay. 25 feet would be about eight meters. Sure. Ooh. I failed this hardcore in science class. Well, I, I love it. And uh, this was such a fun discussion. And 
Kate, Julie, did you find what you were looking for? 